1939, the global population of Jewish people worldwide peaked at around 16.6 million. That population was soon decimated by the Holocaust, which saw Nazi Germany and its collaborators kill approximately 6 million Jews. There are very few Holocaust survivors alive today to tell their stories. As time passes and experiences are forgotten, denial of the Holocaust greatly increases. This is extremely dangerous for the Jewish population as there is only 14 million Jews worldwide. I had the opportunity to talk to a Holocaust survivor to hear her story. Her name is Celia Kenner and she was born in Lwów, Poland. She had a normal life with her family until the Nazis invaded and her father was forced to join the Russian army. Her mom was sent to a labor camp and she was sent to the ghetto. Celia began by explaining to me what life was like in the ghetto. Now I come into the ghetto and we're assigned, you know, like living quarters, which is very crowded and many people in one room. What I saw was the march music blasting through the loudspeakers and adults, skinny, shaven heads, and the Star of David scratched out on their forehead. Blood is oozing, not severe bleeding, but oozing. As little or as much as I played with other Jewish kids, you know, games, and all of a sudden I'd see one of the kids, you know, like bending down and lying down. And I'm thinking, what kind of a game is it? But they're not getting up. And when I turned down to them and see, they're not playing a game. They're not sleeping. They died in front of me, whether it was of hunger or disease. And I could not understand that. During the raids that happened in the ghetto, the families that would let Celia and her family hide in there soon began to permit her family to hide there without Celia. Celia was young and they were scared that she would make noise during the raid, so they didn't allow her to hide with them anymore. The place that I was not permitted into, my uncle, aunt, and cousins, I never saw them again. They were gone and now I'm alone. It wasn't long before I was starving and dirty and you know no one to look after me when you know raids came the parents they left behind babies i played with the babies because when the germans were rushing to find hidden jews if a baby cried that cry of the baby annoyed them and they take the butt of their gun and permanently quiet that baby. But if I was able to succeed in making the baby not cry, when the raid was over, if the parents managed to survive, they came and found their baby alive. Now they looked for me and wanted to thank me for keeping their babies alive and safe. They shared a little bit of their food rations with me to thank me for keeping their baby alive. Mom would be brought back periodically. 
I don't remember the frequency, whether it was once a week or once in two weeks. But she came for the day with other inmates and mom found me and told me that she is going to arrange and find, you know, a family that will help me to live and I will escape the ghetto. She said, um, midnight, like when it gets totally dark, cover yourself with that blanket and sneak underneath, push yourself out underneath the walls of the ghetto. It was like a wooden fence around the ghetto. So I waited until dark and mom told me, make sure you cover yourself with the blanket. And if you are out of the ghetto, you better cover your nose because your nose is long. And that may identify you as a Jewess because Jews seem to have long noses. So I said, I'll do everything she told me and she'll wait for me outside of the ghetto. I went during late at night in the dark and I pushed my head under the walls of the ghetto. And before my body was out, I saw big bright lights and soldiers all around with guns pointed. And I chickened out, I couldn't do it. So I was back to whatever, wandering around the, you know, the wherever I could or playing with the baby until mom came back. And this time she said, Celia, you can't have any more chances because I have gotten word that the ghetto is going to be exterminated. Everyone inside this ghetto will be taken away or killed. So this is your last chance. I did as I was told. I covered myself with the blanket and I was lucky enough not to be noticed. And I made it outside of the gate, which was closed the ghetto. After Celia escaped the ghetto, her mom brought her to a house where a Christian Polish family lived. She had previously met them in her father's shop before the war began. She would spend the next year and a half in their family and her mom would not stay with her. We came to the address that mom had. Mom and I hugged. No one cried. Mom left and there stood in a doorway a lady and a gentleman behind her and then two older people. They opened their arms, brought me in, and quietly explained to me, I need to follow. I am never to wear shoes in the house. I am never allowed near a window, nor am I allowed to push the curtains open. They assigned for me a place to sleep in the back of the house, they had a barn, and in the barn, they had animals. And every day, another member of the family would be going to feed the animals. Celia lived this life until one day when a nearby family got caught for hiding Jews. One day, I saw the curtains were open, 
and the four members of my family were facing the wall across the street at a house. A two adults and two little ones, and they're hung outside in front of the window that my family is looking from. Now, at night, we had a family sit down, and my Polish daddy said that now that this happened across the street, it is probably no longer safe for me or for them to be keeping me with them because now they will be looking at all the houses. And as best as he could explain to me, because I was so young, that it is against the law to help and try to hide Jewish children. So most likely, the family across the street were hiding two Jewish children. And to warn others of what the penalty was, they were publicly hung, which meant I could no longer stay with them as I did until now. My Polish father said he found an orphanage. They take Jewish orphans from the ghetto or from wherever they are and put them onto a boat. We said our tearful goodbyes. Very early the following morning, my Polish mother packed me up and took me through the back of the house. So quietly, we went down to the barn, which I heard about, but I had never been, and sits me down on the little steps and is whispering to me. And she says to me the following, Celia, remember how much I love you and how much I am concerned that you may not make it to that destination safely. So, because I know how good you are, how would you feel if I hid you here in my barn, but the family upstairs won't know about it? So, I will only bring you food every third day. Remember, we each take turns feeding the animals. Oh, and by the way, Celia, you're going to have a friend. You won't be alone. She explained to me is that I'm going to have a little friend. I will be in her barn, but my family upstairs will not know about this. And you'll play with a friend. So now she takes a pitchfork and she opens up the hay. And there stands this very unkept skeletal woman. I don't know her. I don't want to know her. I'm holding back and holding on to my clean, sweet Polish mother. And this person is whispering like little nicknames that I was called and reminding me of things we did on holidays. But I'm not registering. Then it sort of cleared up to me that it was my biological mother who, after she brought me to this woman, went back to work. And a year or so later, she was able to escape. And she came to the same woman to whom she had brought me earlier. And she said, can you find anywhere 
don't help me. Just let me be there to die of natural causes, not to be abused or dismembered or raped. This angel woman that she was hit my mom in the barn. I joined mom and we had this little grave-sized area. This went on for close to a year. When Poland was finally liberated, Celia and her mom made their way back to where they used to live, where they were able to get into contact with her father who had escaped the Russian army. After Celia and her family reunited, they spent time in a displaced persons camp before coming to America and expanding their family. Celia's story needs to be passed on so people understand what anti-Semitism causes. Celia still lives in fear today, as many survivors do. I had the chance to speak to my grandma about her experience as a Jew in Europe in the 30s. She lived in Hungary until the Nazis invaded, then her and her family had to leave all their extended family behind and fled to America. My grandma lost a lot of family members in the concentration camp Auschwitz. Increases in recent anti-Semitism leaves her distraught as she has previously lost family to this hatred. She was able to express some of her thoughts to me about anti-Semitism. I think it's important, and in this country now, there is a movement ahead to, to kind of whitewash the entire Nazi regime and, and to play it down. And it's very important for Jewish people, especially those who had sacrificed or who had suffered, to be aware and to, and to make it still a priority the way we used to. We, we, we have organizations, we have very good uh, uh, people who are working to make sure that it's not forgotten. It's very, very important. It absolutely should be on every Jewish person, child or adult, to, to remember the Holocaust. It is important that they remember and talk about it and, and, and know what was done. Anti-Semitism is rarely talked about in the media, but it is continuously on the rise. According to the FBI's most recent hate crime statistics, hate crimes reached their highest level in more than a decade as two-thirds of religious hate crimes were against Jews. Listening to Holocaust survivors' stories and passing them on is more important than ever, because soon there won't be any of them left to tell their stories firsthand. This original documentary podcast was produced by Lily Nussbaum.